Welcome to Day 169 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. As we continue in 2 Samuel chapter 15, we come to a sad end of David's kingdom. His uh, kingdom started off uh, in a glorious way with a heart for God and God's blessing on his life and the expansion of Israel's territory, the conquering and subduing of her enemies. But uh, David, in the prime of his, his career, in the prime of his uh, reign, uh, fails miserably. He sees another man's wife. He takes her to be his own. Uh, he has the man executed to cover up his sin, brings her into her home, and is confronted by the prophet Nathan. And the prophet Nathan said, your, your life will be spared. And David knew he deserved to die. He said, your life will be spared, but calamity will come upon your household. And so we see that calamity happening. Uh, no more, no sooner has uh, Nathan rebuked David than uh, one of David's sons <laughs> rapes one of David's daughters. Mm-hmm. Another one of David's sons takes revenge. And, of course, that son is Absalom. And we see Absalom being banished from the kingdom and then brought back to the kingdom. But we see him slowly undermining David as king and plotting to take the throne for himself. And so that's where we pick up in chapter 15. Uh, before we read this chapter, and, and we are reading a discouraging part of Scripture as we see the flaws of a a man you know, after God's own heart who has fallen away from God and the consequences of sin in his life. Uh, we, we offer ourselves to see some of the harsh realities that Scripture reveals about the power of sin, the depth of sin, and uh, the entanglements that sin can bring, and, and the results they have not only on us, but those uh, around us. So with great fear and uh, reverence for God and a uh, we uh, come to this passage and we offer ourselves you know, in that fear that we too can succumb to sin and knowing that we need his grace and protection. So let me lead us in prayer before we, uh, before we begin. Father, we see uh, in David's life as it draws to a close and in a very disappointing way. Uh, our expectations have been high. We would have liked to have seen him honor you and walk with you and uh, we see how his flaws have led to uh, his family uh, collapsing into judgment in his own family. And we see a great man's life coming to an ignoble end. And, and Father, we pray that you would rescue us from that. Uh, keep us from the arrogance uh, that would cause us to walk away from you or take you from granted. Mm-hmm. And Father, as we read, uh, may we see what you have for us in your word today. As you encourage us, even with the portions of Scripture uh, that can be deeply discouraging to read. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for honesty of Scripture. Cause us to be honest with you. Mm. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Second mm. Samuel <laughs> chapter 15. Absalom has been brought back into the city, and uh, he begins to undermine David uh, from the very beginning. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who's had a complaint or a case could come to me, and I would see that they received justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. 
Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant was living in Geshur and Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gileonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilah, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all of his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he'll move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's official answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him. But he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him, along with all the Kerithites and the Pelethites, and all the six hundred Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath, marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner, an exile from your own homeland. You came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back and take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. But as I replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will be your servant. David said to Ittai, go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all of his men and the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. Zadok was there, too, and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it in his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, <laughs> Do you understand? Go back to the city with my blessing. Take your son Amias uh, with you, so that Abiathar, our son Jonathan, you and Abiathar return your uh, two sons. I will wait at the fords in the wilderness until word comes from me to from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too, and were weeping as they went up. Now David had been with Ahithophel, had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. When David arrived at the summit where people used to worship God, Hushai the archite was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go with me, you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, Your majesty, I'll be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I'll be your servant. Then you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priest Zadok 
and Abiathar be there with you. Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Uh, their two sons, Amiaz, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, son of Abiathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. So Hushai, David's confidant, arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. So you see the fruits of uh, palace intrigue as uh, rich as any palace intrigue has ever been. Uh, as uh, David's own sons uh, begin you know, to you know, turn on him. This is Absalom, firstborn, and of course we've already uh, you know, read about him, that he had this long flowing hair that he would cut off and and weighs about you know three pounds as he would you know cut it off and it was kind of the pride of who he was a very handsome man very striking man and of course he's subtly undermining and stealing the hearts of the people he has a nice common touch no don't bow down to me let me kiss you mm-hmm. uh, you're, i'm just one of uh, one of the peeps mm-hmm. out here so what are some of the things you, you know that you see I, uh, the sad consequence of, of sin Mm-hmm. And in a lot of times we think we sin in isolation, but our uh, sin has, you know, far-reaching effect. You know, it, it's affected David's family. It's not, of course, just the immediate sin, but it's a lot of the attitudes, you know, that led up to that sin. And, and of course, a whole country uh, will be turned uh, in upheaval because of, you know, because of David's sin. So our sin is never in isolation. It always impacts the communities of which we're part, the people that are closest to us hurts our relationship with God, and it uh, brings other people down in, in its wake. He, you know, we mentioned on the podcast previously, even you know David trying to cover up his sin, and maybe for a while things might might have got away with it mm-hmm. until it's exposed. And and you're right, I don't I don't think we realize the the depth of you know the consequence that can come even from just one sin or you know a moment of sin or uh, and even here just looking at Absalom. I mean, he stole the hearts of the people. He sent secret messengers, and so the conspiracy gained strength. I mean, just the the nature of now this kind of not war that's unfolding, but it, I mean, will be Personal you know, this war. yeah this this undermining of, of King David, um, and it's and it's happening in secret. You know, and so just it's just you know just watching this to me unfold and, and watching the secret nature of. Stealing the heart, sending secret messengers, conspiracy, you know, and, and just wonder. Like I'm reading this thinking, man, David and Absalom definitely had their differences, but what would it have looked like for a reconciliation to have happened before this point? You know, is that even possible? That, that we're watching the consequences of sin unfold yeah. in fractured mm-hmm. relationships. And, yeah, and and of course, uh, what you know, what did David's family life look like? And we've seen this already. Uh, you know, in Eli and Samuel, even, you know, there were people who were dedicated to God, but somehow they missed the family link, and somehow they did not live the gracious life in front of their family in such a way that their family you know, returned to them. And of course, <clears throat> there you begin to see the heart of David's sin, because in Deuteronomy, you know, the king was told not to multiply wives, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I always get chucked up and i think of my wife uh, not to multiply uh, not to multiply wives to themselves uh, which david has done you know even to this point he not only has uh, the wives that he has but he also has 10 concubines that he's leaving in charge of the palace so he is he has already you know kind of gone beyond the boundaries of wisdom and even boundaries of the law you know said in, said in deuteronomy and, and of course that'll impact deeply how personally you can be involved with your family and how personally you're involved with those kids and animosities that's springing up 
between those kids mm-hmm. as well. And then add adultery on top of it. Mm-hmm. And it gets to be a pretty difficult um, situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but um, it is. It strikes me that when David does flee, he's n- there's no mention of him seeking the Lord's wisdom, like on what how to handle the situation. Um, that might just be you know absent from the text, but um, I mean I know he takes the ark with him, and then of course he sends it back to Jerusalem, but um, it it just seems like it might be. Um, him using his own wisdom, yeah. his own. You know, you you do have uh, you do have uh, the ark, and you do have the sacrifice. So there is, mm-hmm. you know, there is some sense of you know him appealing to God for his blessing and offering, you know, offerings you know of contrition at this point. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a low point in David's life. He is uh, feeling the judgment of God, and he um, he readily takes it. He's you know he, he's he's barefoot. He's not wearing his royal robes. He's a uh, you know in, in a passage that we, we we won't read. You know Shimei, one of the past servants of Saul, will come out and throw rocks at him and, and curse him. And of course, those that are beside David's you know side say to him, "You want us to just cut him down?" And and David says, "No, let him go. If this is from God, you know, if these are curses from God, then they will rest on me. Mm-hmm. So he was ready to receive it. And if they're not." They will fall away from me. So there is a sense that he is, you know, is is deeply, you know, trusting God. If he allows me to come back to the ark, then that's good. That would be a blessing. And of course, from the Psalms, we we know how he loved to go in the temple and gaze at the beauty of the Lord. That that had one time been, you know, his his great privilege, and now he knows he he may well be banished from the temple of the Lord, never to see it, never to return mm-hmm. to it again. And even if he does return, things. Things will not, you know, not be the same. same. And it's a reminder, you know, you know, of what uh, you know, Paul tells us that we we really cannot, you know, play with sin and not expect consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, do not be deceived. You know, God is not mocked. Uh, we will always, you know, <laughs> reap what we have sown. And when we uh, sow to please the Spirit, we we reap life. When we sow to please the flesh, we we reap, you know, disaster and death. And of course, here is a Old yeah. Testament in a version of that mm. as well. And so he hasn't, in grace, God has not given him the ultimate punishment for his sin, death. But there's a <coughs> deep and abiding consequence mm-hmm. you know, to his sin. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, animosity and then the fighting and everything going on between David and his son. We see in verse 21 from Ittai the Gittite, great name. Um, <laughs> his response to the king right and uh, what a beautiful response he has to david in the middle of all this is surely as the lord lives and as my lord and king lives wherever my lord and king may be whether it means life or death there your servant will be yeah you know obviously david's as we've spoken of he's, he's a flawed king we've, we've seen it but we do obviously point to a the better king to come in christ and obviously uh, what a great response that ittai has to the Right. Flawed king, which is, should be our response. There's a beautiful to the picture king. of the response that we should have uh, to the even greater David, the one who's more deserving of our allegiance and everything that we have on our. And David, why don't you uh, close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, and pray. by the way, I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge, <laughs> Matt Kresge, and David Keefe, who will be closing our us introductions in are our conclusions. <laughs> Father, we um, uh, we we see the mess of sin. Um, 
not just here in the pages of Scripture, but in our own lives as well. Um, Father, how unbelievable that you would come and, and put on flesh and, and seek and save sinners. Um, we know we've we've turned so far from your heart at times, and yet you've come in grace. And, and so, Father, we thank you for the better David that came and how he is deserving uh, of, of our lives, whether life or death. May we be found as true servants um, of the true King. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.